welcome to the Drunk Dietitians podcast, co-hosted by your favorite tipsy registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, co-owner of Dietitians of Palm Valley, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. Us dietitian besties can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we're medical professionals, we are human too. We are not afraid to share our deepest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So grab your favorite cocktail and join us for our favorite casual happy hour and expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Cheers. All right, guys, we are so, so, so excited to intro this episode of Drunk Dietitians. We had the author, <laughs> yeah, we had the author of The Fuck It Diet, Miss Caroline Duner, on today. And not only was it like, of course, all things The Fuck It Diet and talking about why the book was created, how she got to the epiphany of The Fuck It Diet, but there was a ton of dog and puppy talk and her dog <laughs> was also on the episode. So if you are a dog lover, you are in the right place today. Oh, it was so good. I mean, honestly, so Sam, I think you introduced me to the book. Um, I mean, I'm sure you did. I think there was a post that you guys posted on your Instagram of you in the pool reading it. And I was like, what, mm -hmm. is, what is this? Um, and I spent about six weeks of my life um, when I just got Quincy, so just about a year ago, listening to this book and walking around my neighborhood. And I found myself walking longer and not wanting to turn it off because there was so much that I could relate to. And as somebody who never considered themselves a chronic dieter, I was like, holy shit, like this woman and I have so much in common. And this is like every single one of my clients needs to listen to this book. Um, I had a little book club over the summer and a lot of my clients did listen to it and could really relate so much to what she said. And I mean, the basis of her book is talking about how dieting causes quote unquote food addiction and how dieting and restricting make us feel like we're addicted to food. And she really goes through that debunking process and talking about how to actually heal ourselves um, yeah. from these feelings. It's just so powerful. There's so much, we literally talked for almost an hour and I feel like we just literally got through page one of like, yeah. put them with yeah. <laughs> and Caroline is just so down to earth and so open and honest and like shares very in depth her detailing of all the different diets she's been on and some that I've honestly never heard before until today, which she's just hilarious of how she describes it. And so I think it's just super relatable, super helpful. And so for anyone listening, I think you're going to love this interview. And if you haven't already, I think you're really going to want to read or listen to the fuck it diet. So let's get to it without further ado. Here we go. One. Welcome back to another episode of Drunk Dietitians. Sam and Jenna here. And I'm so have, excited. Yes. <laughs> we have a very, 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 I could say very a thousand times, special guest today. We have the author of The Fuck It Diet, Miss Caroline. <laughs> um, yeah. And we 
we are so, so excited to have her here. Um, we will do a much more formal intro before the podcast airs where we'll talk all about you. But Carolyn and I met, I think I DM'd you when you had like 10,000 followers and now you're like Instagram famous and like blowing up. Uh, (laughs) We had chatted a little bit and did like a little mini Skype interview. Um, but we're so happy to just dive in today and get to do better and everything about the fuck it diet and this like life-changing book that you've created. I'm having like a moment listening to your voice right now because I listened to your voice on audible for like I would say six weeks every time I walked my dog, I would listen to like a little bit of the book and like walk and be like, come on, Quincy, like, let's keep walking. Like, this is a good chapter. (laughs) And so hearing you in real life right now is like, I'm having a moment. That's (laughs) so crazy. I've never thought about that before. Also, I've never listened to my audiobook because I'm too really too stressed like I can't there's nothing (laughs) I can do about it like I when there's something that I can't change like it it exists I did it I think I would just pick it apart like I think I'd be like oh why did I say that sentence that way like I just like I'm like I'm not even gonna listen I'm glad people like it I don't even want to like go there it's amazing just for the record (laughs) and I I hope you don't find this weird but I feel like you have a very like sexy voice like I feel like it's like a good voice for a book like mine like you know I don't think anyone likes their own voice but like I feel like you have a very good audio book thank you you know it's well so I went to school for acting. Okay. So one of the things that a lot of actors want to get into is doing voiceovers and doing audiobooks specifically, but it's so hard to get into. Okay. And I remember like I I like went through this whole process where I like when I lived in New York, I like did like classes for all the stuff and they were like no no no, like you can't do audiobooks. Like audiobooks are like the most like you have to start with like commercial, you know, like doing yeah. lipstick stuff. And I hated even just like practicing. I was literally like taking classes. Yeah. I hated doing the lipstick ad so badly, so much that I, that I was like, I don't want to do this. This is like, if I can't do audiobooks, like, I don't want to, this is like soul sucking, horrible. Like, and so when I got to record my own audio book, I was like, this is crazy. Like your book. Too. I know, I know. And, and like, so it was like the, the most, you know, it was, it was like the a serious backdoor, but also like the coolest book the coolest to record ever. is your own. Yeah. But they, um, the publisher, they were like, mm, I don't, think you actually want to record the audiobook. A lot of authors, like they think they want to, but it's actually really hard. And I was like, I know I don't want, I don't like want to have to do the like hard part of it, but like, I will be so pissed if yeah, someone yeah. else yeah. fucks it up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it all worked out. It's amazing. It's so amazing. And honest to God, I recommended two clients I spoke with this morning to start downloading and listening to no it way. because it's so helpful. Oh, and I was like, I can't, I can't tell you who I'm talking to later today, but oh, yeah. <laughs> that's so cool to hear. It's Thank required. You it's required reading and listening for every single client that walks through our door. So <laughs> it'll continue to be. So, so first of all, cheers, everybody. Know, cheers. cheers. Let's hear that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot to put it up. Crack it. I already cracked oh. it, but sorry. That was so anticlimactic. Mm. But mine is um mango flavored today. Very good. I have so, grapefruit. Yeah. Very mm. good. 
they're like, is that like a white claw esque? I think yes. so. It's just like another white claw. Um, but Dial. we've gone everything from like, oh, hi, Molly. Oh, hi, baby. <laughs> For anybody listening, we're staring at Caroline's really cute dog right now. And really well behaved. Let's just uh, well, <laughs> mm, I took her to the dog park right before this. So she would be tired and well behaved, took away all of her bones. Like, I'm trying Honestly, to- though, the last time Caroline and I talked on uh, Zoom, we, do you remember this, Caroline? You thought she was, she was dead. So tired. She wasn't moving. <laughs> And Carol was like, I'm sorry, I need to check on my dog. We it like, was weird. Like, it wasn't normal. She's usually like barking at the window, like, why aren't you paying attention to me? And she was so tired. I think I'd done the same thing. I tried to tire her out yeah. before the call, but then she was so tired that I thought there was something. She wouldn't even open her eyes when I called her name. And I was like, I'm really sorry. I know this is like odd, but I need to check on her. <laughs> this makes me love you more. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm super excited to have you here. I want to, or we start off every episode with a little rapid fire. Great. So today I'm going to do yours and there's like a pivotal moment in this rapid fire that I really hope that we we fight about. (laughs) We'll find out the truth. But here we go. Ready? Mm -hmm. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Snow or sand? Snow. Wine or beer? Wait, we wait! Did you just say snow? Yeah, she's our <laughs> first snow you? person. We've yeah, had, like so many, and they're all I'm like, sand. I'm like a serious winter person, but I love that. Do you just like being like? What do you like about it? Do you like being in the snow, or do you like being inside, looking outside at snow? Um, mostly inside, looking outside, but I also like a contained, like walk in the snow. Yeah, I like being cold if I have the right gear. Uh, gear. <laughs> I really like. Um, I, I don't know, I was born in a blizzard that might have something to do with it. Like Ooh. something about my like soul is like, you belong in the snow. Yeah. Um, I also, <laughs> I really like winter. Like I wouldn't want to live in winter, you know, all year round, yeah. but I really like having winter. Also, my parents have a house at the beach. So I'm like, I mean, this is, that's like a bratty thing to say, but I'm like, I, and I think it's just me too. Cause my siblings, they, they love, like they surf, they love it. But I'm like, Oh, I just, I wish we were mountain people. Yeah. You know, what's interesting that I never thought of like the sand is available all year round, but snow isn't right. That's true. We're Makes it really special. Of, we're restricted. <laughs> no. I know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 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 <laughs> but also I live in Philadelphia that ha- it has like pretty cold yeah. winters usually, oh, yeah. but <laughs> genuinely yesterday and Saturday it was like almost 70 degrees wasn't it ridiculous? 80 degrees in Florida right now we're breaking okay. record highs down oh here God, <laughs> I know it's scary like winter like I don't know I, I I agree with that like I miss snow in the sense of I never see it now but if I, you're from Pennsylvania right yep yep yeah. I'm from Pittsburgh and I was in New Jersey and New York so yeah mm-hmm. it's definitely but anyway, sorry, we just like stopped. No, 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 no. Okay, like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're up to wine or beer? Wine. <laughs> <laughs> Vodka or tequila? That's hard. I got, oh. Um, what were you saying? Were you saying I got, I thought you were going to well, say I got, I got, I got su- <laughs> no, actually, I got super into tequila this past summer. Okay. Tequila. Like really good tequila. But right now I'm on a vodka kick like now i'm like okay. I, i'm like wow Switching yeah so i'm gonna say vodka right right now equal opportunity over here yeah. <laughs> all right here's the big one ready yeah crunchy or smooth peanut butter crunchy <laughs> oh, 
I knew wearing my lucky shirt was what I'm today. <laughs> For everybody listening, my shirt says never say diet in Caroline's honor. And my final question today for you is, if you could have one thing in limitless quantities, but it couldn't be money, what would it be? Oh my God. Yeah, that's oh. a good one. Um, ooh. It doesn't have to be like an object, right? It could just no. be like any like conceptual thing. Any conceptual thing. Okay. Okay. I know exactly what it is. I want to be one of those people who can fall asleep anywhere, <laughs> anytime. Like I want to be able to just like go on a trip like and conk out. I want to be like, cause I... I sleep really well in my bed, but if we like mess up, if there's any new situation going on, I like, I have major insomnia. So that like, I just want to be one of those people. So the answer is sleep, but like the ability to fall asleep. I love that's that. Great. And that's new for us. That's a yeah. good one. <laughs> yeah, we've had people just say sleep before, but never, never that. Real sleep. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, it's less about like the, to, I mean, obviously, if I didn't have the time to sleep, I would want the time to sleep, but I yeah. have the time to sleep, but still sometimes like it can't leads me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love it. I love That's it. So good. I don't even know where to start with this conversation because I'm smiling so much. I can't form words. Oh, I mean, you... <laughs> it's just so, it's so refreshing to like have the ability to talk to you about all these things oh. that we want to. And like, where should we start, Sam? <laughs> well, I think so. Most hopefully, most of the people that are listening that are like Jenna and myself, like that know our businesses and like our little cheerleaders, they've probably already read this and they yes. probably listened to it. But hopefully, we're also reaching a really large platform where there's people that haven't heard about your book. So we'll start like super basic to just kind of get into it. Of um, I know I've heard this before, but I I really want everyone to hear. Oh, there's Molly. Oh. Come on in, Molly. Um, but just let us know, like, with the fuck it diet, like, where did it come from? How did it get started? I think it, it's important for people to you give a little intro too, of like, you're not a registered dietitian, mm -hmm. which we love. Um, that you know, to diversify, like, talking about dieting doesn't just have to be dietitians. So, just kind of like your life path that brought you to this book. Yes. So I was a diet junkie. I was also a self-help junkie. Mm -hmm. I was obsessed with figuring out how to like miraculously and spontaneously heal. <laughs> and I, I was diagnosed with PCOS when I was like 14, 15, um, which is a hormonal syndrome that they often link to weight and waking and they kind of blame it on waking, even though that's totally like a scapegoat and not helpful focus. Um, but for me at 14, being told that I have this hormonal syndrome that's going to make me gain weight. And it's also caused by the weight that I've gained in puberty, which isn't true, but that was like what I perceived. Yeah. Um, and also like, they make it seem like, and this is what sort of what the... <laughs> My dog is literally holding, holding your hand. hand. <laughs> so cute. You're so cute. You want to be part of this? Um, it made it seem like the food that I was eating, and I identified as being sort of like a food addict and a binge eater. Um, so I felt like, oh my God, I just gained a lot of weight. Really, it was just me going through puberty, coming, you know, I was a really skinny child and 
finally at 14, I like gained weight like you're supposed to, and then was diagnosed with this hormonal syndrome. And so it all seemed like eating, liking food. Also, I, I really was a binge eater, but it was because I grew up in a super health food household, Mm -hmm. um, which we can talk about more later, but I, I genuinely believed that my eating and my weight was causing all my health problems. And I actually, I really did have a lot of health problems in high school and they continued and they were very vague and it's really, it's like hard to define chronic illness, but I did experience them, but I thought that the cure was finding the perfect diet. So I started on the Atkins diet. I lost a lot of weight. And after I would say six months, of course, I started binging and I was like, oh my God, this is proof. I'm, I'm a food addict. I have to get this under control. And so that started 10 years of going from fad diet to fad diet to fad diet to what the heck? <laughs> you, you have the cutest dog I've ever seen in my life. Ever. <laughs> you're a star, Molly. You're a star. She's so cute. For everyone who can't see this, she's lying behind me on the couch, like pushing you off. out, <laughs> holding my hand, and then like flipping over and like stretching her entire body on her back. It's so cute. <sighs> At least she's not barking. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I, I also like in that 10 year stint, um, I also, I read the book intuitive eating at 18 and I remember thinking, whoa, like that's the first time that I'd ever considered the fact that dieting was a problem or that I even had that, that my problem was not, um, my God, what are you doing? She's, she's left the couch. She's left the couch. <laughs> it was, I, I, re- I really remember. No, if you start Mar- Molly, I'm going to, no. No, <laughs> she's like digging. She does this thing where she no Molly. I'm so sorry, guys. Don't be. Is she part Bernadoodle? She is a Bernadoodle. My dog is half Bernadoodle. He does the same thing. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah. Wait, your dog is half Bernadoodle, half something else, half Labradoodle, half Bernadoodle mini. So he's like this. Oh sick. my god. He's in his crate right now because otherwise he'd be a monster. Well, but... she's being a monster. She's literally <laughs> digging oh, in no my hardware store, and then she'll like like flop down in it like she's created some like nest and then she'll like be calm and like go to bed but I, I molly you're so annoying i looked up i you know i was like why do dogs try to dig in a in hardwood floor and yes. it's apparently like super primal where like they feel like they're making a comfortable spot yes my molly. dog is in blanket so like create but it's like he's like trying to push the blanket to be like well, that makes a lot more sense yeah. molly <laughs> she'll stop she will stop this is like her really, i just don't want her to like, ruin your hardwood floor if you need her to stop well, but otherwise do you don't really hear it <laughs> we don't but, care. yeah i mean i'm over it she's gonna no you're nuts all right, we'll we'll try to ignore it. But the theme of our podcast is perfectly imperfect, just so you know. So oh, like good. this is on brand. I get yeah. I we literally always have dogs like doing things in our podcast. So it's, it's <laughs> I actually like I mean, as a dog owner now, I like hearing people dealing with their dogs anytime. Like I listened to David Tennant interviewing Olivia Coleman and the whole time she's like talking to her dog who's like jumping on and off her <laughs> lap. That's like real life. Right. I will never forget when I got 
my dog as a puppy, I spent, I mean, she's definitely gotten easier, but for the first year I was like, I don't understand how people who have dogs, like aren't constantly like talking about it, worrying about it. Like, I don't understand how people just like live their lives. Just like with it, like, I just couldn't even, it was so hard to me. Like it was such <laughs> an adjustment that I was like, everybody has dogs. And I seem to be the only one who's like, my dog, my dog is at home. I have to have to get home. I have to get home. The exact same. Yeah. Oh my God, I, he was always like, mine was always like messing everything up in that first year when they're like biting everything and chewing everything and they can't be alone. And it's, it's a lot. True, true story. Sam, Sam left me alone in her apartment for like one hour once and her dog like bit my ass. No, he was like, where's my mom? <laughs> How old was he? <laughs> he was like right at a year probably at that point. Yeah. I know. He was just stubborn Frenchie though. He's, He's so cute. Yeah. Molly <laughs> actually just played with a Frenchie at the dog park like 35 Ooh. minutes ago. She likes dogs that are smaller than her because she's has anxiety. <laughs> she has anxiety. She doesn't think she's a big dog. She needs small dogs. Anyway, sorry. That was like a huge, she, she's calm now. She made her little, her nest. little nest. Perfect. She's now going to sleep. Perfect. So I have no idea where I was, but I think I was trying to say that I actually in my 10 years of chronic dieting, I halfway through, actually, I read the book intuitive eating Mm -hmm. and I, I mean, it had been four years of like extreme dieting. Absolutely could have been diagnosed with an eating disorder. If I had had the wherewithal to realize that I had a problem or if someone else had, I didn't look like I had an eating disorder. I Mm -hmm. was a thin child. And so like, I was basically yo-yoing between like normal thin and like a little bit curvier but I was absolutely obsessed. I went through periods of not eating nearly enough food, being super obsessed with calories, super obsessed with like very orthorexic, very um, afraid of carbs, and then constantly binging. So of course, like a lot of chronic dieters, I thought that my problem was overeating. And I thought that my problem was binging, not understanding that the dieting and the obsession with food was actually perpetuating that cycle and not understanding that my childhood of living in this household where we didn't get the kinds of foods that my friends got. And I, there was moralizing around good food, bad food, um, not even having anything to do with weight. My, my mother would never say like that food is going to make you fat. She would say, that's not a healthy food that has a lot of sugar. It's not Mm. good for your teeth. And, you know, I was lucky because I think if I had just, if I had bit, had a different body size, there probably would have been talk about weight, but I just happened to be super thin genetically. So that wasn't, but it still made me obsessed with food. I was obsessed with getting snacks. I was obsessed with going to my friend's house and like eating all of their snacks. And I knew that it was weird. I knew that it was different because they wanted to go play. And I was like literally calculating, like, when can I like tell them we should get another snack? So I was genuinely obsessed, which is why when I gained a little bit of weight in puberty, I was like, oh my God, this is, it's finally happened. Like mm-hmm. my, my food addiction has caught up with me. So it was like super ingrained in me that I had a problem with food, tried to diet to make it better. You and I, we know that it makes it worse. Mm -hmm. But then when I read intuitive eating, it was the first time that I'd ever 
heard or considered that dieting was a problem and was part of the problem. Yeah. And I read it. I remember thinking, this is important. This is amazing. This could change my life. But I still was looking at it through the lens of, if I do this right, if I can just stop dieting, let myself eat all foods, then I won't overeat then I'll become thin and then I'll heal. So it was still, I was still like reading it and applying it within the context of diet culture and I should be thin. We should all be thin. And if we're thin, we'll heal. So that was like a big part of my like mentality. It was that, and that's a big part of like kind of how they talk about PCOS. Mm. Enough people, if you really like, if you talk to people who are not super like, you know, weight centric, they will say, well, PCOS is a chronic condition. There is no cure. You can manage symptoms and, you know, it's thin people can get PCOS and fat people can get PCOS. And yes, it can, it can be associated with insulin resistance, which can be associated with weight. Mm -hmm. And And that's, that's the piece there, but so many doctors and so many message boards, which is of course, like where I was, you know, where I was getting my information, make it seem like you can cure insulin resistance. And if you do, and if you can kind of get your weight down and like cure that part of it, then everything else, then you'll, you'll be able to cure the whole thing. So I was like looking for this miracle cure, but it wasn't that far off base based on what I was reading. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Anyway, I thought I was eating intuitively for like a really long time, but it really was the hunger fullness diet. Mm -hmm. And then I topped it off with the paleo diet, which I was reading was going again, going to cure all of my (laughs) health issues and all of my hormonal problems. And of course it just like put me back into even more dysfunction and major binging And the fuck it diet came out of that. It came out of me still binging on the paleo diet. However, I had definitely been reading like, I I was obsessed with diet message boards. Like that's where I would spend when I was a raw vegan in college before, uh, before I like had my long stint of intuitive eating. I like, I was literally like, it felt like being in a cult and the message boards are like where we met. Yeah. (laughs) And then again with the paleo diet. Yeah. Yeah. And then with the paleo diet, I remember I was, I don't remember what it was called, but I, I mean, I read it like every day for like hours a day because I wasn't healed. Like I was having major issues and I kept like, I was like scouring it for like what I needed to tweak and what I needed to do. And like what, why I was having such digestive issues on a paleo diet and like, what was going to actually cure me? Like if I was going to do this, like I needed to do it right. You know? And I started seeing whispers of people and like on blogs that I would read of people saying, I went super low carb paleo and it destroyed my hormones and it destroyed my metabolism. And I'm actually, I'm trying to essentially refeed myself with carbs. So that was the first time that I had even considered that not eating enough food and not eating enough carbs could affect my metabolism, but also mess up my hormones. Because the thing that I've been trying to do for 10 years was heal my hormones. The idea, I was like, it blew my mind. I was like, are you kidding me? And that got in my brain. And I remember I followed one lady who 
was talking about it and trying, cause she wanted to have a second child. So she was like doing it really deliberately. Like I'm eating a lot of food. I'm sleeping a lot. And I was like, what? Like it, it really <laughs> like that is a thing. I'll just is, stop. And she was still being like paleo, like Weston A. Price. So she wasn't like, do do you know what I mean? That's like one little sect of paleo. But I, but just the concept that more food and more carbs was maybe a cure was absolutely mind blowing. But that's still, that was like a couple months before I had what I refer to as my fuck a diet epiphany. Mm. But that was like the primer for it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I... Had, it was my 24th birthday and I just had my 32nd birthday. So it's been eight years of this. Wow. <laughs> Happy belated. Thank yes. you. <laughs> I made myself all of these almond flour cupcakes, which were not cupcakes at all. I took all the sugar out of the recipe. I didn't make the paleo, uh, I didn't make the paleo icing. And they, so they were disgusting. They were like dry. <laughs> like, I don't even know why I would have like, ever thought I picture that was a them good like idea. falling apart. Yeah. They did. They were gross. They were gross. Nobody wanted them. My best friend was visiting. She was staying over in my apartment for my birthday. And I was like, do you want a paleo cupcake? And she was like, no, thank you. <laughs> so over the course of the day, I ate all of them. And they were disgusting. And I was so stuffed. And I also made myself these, like, I was like, I'm going to make myself special paleo squash pancakes for my birthday. And I made them out of like (laughs) butternut squash and eggs. And I put just butter on them. And they were disgusting, but I ate like so much. And so I was like, I just remember like sitting there, like so uncomfortable. And I just like had this epiphany that was like, I am still doing the same thing. Like I've been doing the same thing for 10 years and it hasn't changed. And even the years that I thought that I was eating intuitively, I was always obsessed with being thin. Like it just, that was the thing that was different in that moment. I was like, it is my obsession with weight. Like that is the thing that will, I will never be able to heal my eating. Cause for a long time, when I thought I was eating intuitively, I was like, wow, I'm healed. I can eat whatever (laughs) I want. I just need to listen really closely to my body. And I was starving all the time. I cry. I was like completely emotionally unstable. I was so hungry. I was so tired. I was so like chronically underfed, but I was thin (laughs) because I like wasn't eating that much food. And I thought I wasn't on a diet. I thought that that's what being intuitive was like listening so closely that you barely ever like ate a full meal. And it just became so clear that it was always a micromanaging of weight. And it was because I had heard enough people say, look, I didn't eat enough food. I didn't eat enough carbs. I didn't have enough body weight. I was, I was thin, but like it was ruining my hormones and my body that that allowed me to be like, oh, so like gaining weight can be like healthy and like part of a healing process. And for someone who had never been considered underweight before, that was completely revelatory. Like I had never considered that ever before. And so that little piece in the back of my mind allowed me to, in that moment, say, I need to stop trying to micromanage it. And I need, I don't know what this process is going to look like. I don't know how much weight I'm going to gain. I don't know how long it's going to take. 
but I need to eat myself out of this Mm. and I'm scared to do it, but I, it's the only, like, it's the only way to reverse like what I've been doing to myself. Mm -hmm. It it was so like intuitive to me in that moment. And, and I knew I was going to gain weight and I knew I wasn't going to like it, but you know, I knew it was going to be hard after the years of being obsessed with it. Um, and I knew that I needed to quit acting. I lived in New York city and I like had an agent and I was like trying to go on these auditions all the time. And it was, that was part of my, I have to be thin narrative. Like Mm -hmm. it's important for my health. Apparently I thought it's important for my career. Like this is my destiny. I have to do it. And I knew in that moment, like that was a huge part of why I wasn't able to be normal with food. And so I was like, I need to, I don't know how long I need to stop for maybe forever, but I cannot heal if I'm going into auditions, auditioning for Maria in the sound of music. Like, I just can't, (laughs) I just like, I can't like, that was the whole thing. Like this whole weird ingenue thing, like stories are about thin people, you know, Mm -hmm. like I just, I couldn't do it. So that was the beginning of the, of what became the fucking diet. That's incredible. Can we cheers to that? Yes. yes. Like, what a story. <laughs> I mean, that thank you for sharing all of those details because it's yeah. so powerful. Um, it's so powerful to hear it in your words too, even though I've heard it in your words from the book. But what I like the moment, the opening of your book where you talk about the French diet, that's something I refer to all the time because was, like the rule following like it's such like a light bulb moment like as humans we love rules right yeah. we feel empowered we feel like you can fucking crush it you're like you follow the rule it tells me i get this and i do it I so like for you like articulating that to me like that's i make every client listen to that because i'm like she can say it better than i can oh, <laughs> I go listen. Yeah. but like it's just such a moment like how did you connect that Um, I, so that's such a good question. I, well, I saw that period of time between when I, so I was a raw vegan my freshman year of college and I had actually read intuitive eating before that, but I got stuck. I was like, but let me try like one last extreme diet. <laughs> and obviously it didn't work. Obviously I was binging all the time on fruit, <laughs> like <laughs> as high as like dense fruit as I possibly could. And after like nine months and I actually did low, I did when regular raw veganism did not cure me and did not cure my skin. I had, when I was raw vegan, I had the worst skin I've ever had in my life. And I had really, I mean, I had really bad skin. That's like why one of the, one of the hormonal like things, it didn't cure my skin. It was still really bad. So I went to the message boards and I was like, what am I doing wrong? I'm doing this for three months. Like I haven't detoxed yet, I guess. Like my skin is still really bad. (laughs) It was all about detox. Right. And I was like, once I get through this detox, but it's been like three or four months. And I heard back that I should try, try low or no sugar or low oh, sugar veganism. And I did like I did. And I probably only did it for a month and it was just like a million salads, a million avocados. Like it was just, you, you could barely eat anything. And at the end of the month, I still ha- like nothing was better, you know, like nothing was better. Things were probably worse. So I went back on the message board and they were like, 
well, maybe you should go in the other direction and do fruitarian, which is only fruit. Oh my and God. I did. I did <laughs> oh that God. for three months. And I was oh like, I was like, and I read about it nonstop. Like I bought the, the book, like 80, 10, 10 or whatever. Um, I, and I was like, I, I guess I'm going to eat this way for the rest of my life. Like these people all healed all their health problems. Like, I don't want to, like, I definitely, it didn't like resonate with me, but I was like, if this is the way to heal, like, I, I guess. And I, of course, after three months, again, I was like, nothing is better. <laughs> it didn't heal anything. I'm miserable. So then I went back to regular raw veganism. And then at, like at the nine month mark, I was like, oh, this is what intuitive eating was talking about. Like I'm doing <laughs> yeah. it again. Like I couldn't yeah. even see it while I was in there. But then to answer your question, after that, it was about six years of, okay, I'm just going to eat intuitively. And I'm putting that in quotes and I'm going to exercise a lot and I'm going to listen really closely to my body. And so I would say like two years after, I mean, I really, essentially that was like me just being obsessive about the amounts of food that I ate for like six years and not thinking I was dieting. Like I was telling mm -hmm. myself, you are not on a diet. You are healed. I mean, I wasn't healed. My health wasn't healed, but I was like, wow, I'm not like, this is the way, you know, this is the way that I should eat. Like I don't diet, like this is great. And I still thought that there was maybe a certain weight that would heal me, or there was a certain supplement that would heal me, or like, I was still seeking within that, but, and I would do like little stints of, well, maybe I should go back to sort of the way that I was, you know, like I would like kind of dabble with things, but I generally told myself that I was not dieting. And when I found the book, the book, French women don't get fat, <laughs> it was like, a combination of so many things that I'd been obsessed with. Like I took French in high school and I, <laughs> and I was obsessed with Amelie. And I like, I really genuinely, I had already been to France twice and been like, I'm going to heal here. Like I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to like start smoking. Like I'm going to like, I'm going to do like, I was already obsessed with like, what do French women do? So the fact that I had a book that then like made it <laughs> like, even more like real specific and real. Yeah. And there was a woman that like was French and she did this thing and she ate this magical yogurt thing and she did all these things. <laughs> I was like, I'm doing it. Like this I'm is done. like, I literally like, I even like, like I even genuinely like, like I got rid of all my sweatpants. I was like, I'm only going to wear like pants and like nice shirt. Like I literally was like, I'm going to, be French. And I'm like, I, I'm going to figure my shit out and I'm going to be like, amazing. This is amazing. And I mean, I really, I genuinely did that for years, like years. And I was weird. Like I was weird about it. I would like make my plate. I'd be like, I, I, I would like, I'd be like, I am French. And I would like go to cafes and I'd be like, I'd get like a cappuccino and a brownie and I would like stare at the brownie and be like, how much would a French woman eat? And I'd be like, not the whole thing. Like I was, it was nuts. It it's was amazing. nuts, <laughs> but it felt so, it was like such a, there's also a book called Entre Nous that was in anthropology that I sat down in anthropology and I read pretty much the whole thing like there, like in an hour. 
Like it was, it was not like a long, it was like yeah. a very like, this is how I moved to France and married a French man. And like, this is what I learned. And I was like, oh my God, this is just going to take me to the next level. Like <laughs> my closet is going to be, man. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. <laughs> that was always like, there was always the that goal. too. But it was like all about like the, like the French, like French people know how to like only have what they need and like have high quality things. And like, I was like, my God, my closet's going to be like filled with like five silk shirts. Like I'm going <laughs> to figure this out. I just, I would, and then I bought the book too. I was obsessed with it. And yeah, it was, a, it was like this weird, like, l- like elitist, like lifestyle mm. diet thing that I, I genuinely like carried it with me for such a long time. And I didn't even realize, I genuinely did not realize that it was a diet and how all encompassing it was. It was just, it was, yeah, it was, it was definitely, when I look back at like the time when I thought that I was eating intuitively, it was so infused with, and the French eat intuitively and that's all in quotes. (laughs) And like, this is even better because not only is it quote unquote intuitive eating, but it's like high quality, uh, like artisanal. Um, (laughs) I'm going to look really good while I do it. Like I'm going to like wear perfume. Like it was all, it was like just this weird, like, I don't know. Uh, so, so when I look back on when I thought I was eating intuitively, that was like a huge, huge part of it. And I just put them together in my brain. Yeah. Well, I think it's so easy to like with, for clients that I work with, you know, like how you were like, I didn't even see it as a diet, right? Cause a lot of times when people think of a diet, like a fad diet, they think of like following like a strict list of like, cut this right. out. Don't do this. Don't right. do that. You know, or it's called like the keto diet, right? right. Like it's like named a diet. So right. a lot of times when people, when it doesn't have that like tagline or this 10 specific rules or things to cut out, it can be it's so easily like overlooked that it's right. still a diet. Right? right. And this was like a prime example of a lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't have even called it a lifestyle. I would have been like, no, this is just like who I am now. <laughs> like it's not even a lifestyle. It's yeah. just like I am like Friends. so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I am pretty yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I couldn't see it. I couldn't even I couldn't even begin to see it. And it, when I, like, it became so infused with the way that I was trying to live that it was like, it was the paleo diet that like snapped me out of that in a way, like not obviously not in a good way either, because it was just replacing it with like, oh, okay, well, here's a completely different way to like heal my life, you know, <laughs> heal. Cause it wasn't just about healing my body. And there was also some, there was also like the spiritual diet, which was kind of infused with this too, where I was like, if I can just figure out all my shit, like, <laughs> I'm a really good person and like think positive thoughts and like get to the energetic root of like why I have health problems in the first place. This is like all the like new age, like the law of attraction, the secret of like you bring all your problems to yourself uh, Eckhart Tolle, who I like fine, but like talks about like the ego and like separating from the mind. And I was like, if I can do that, I will not overeat. I will not emotionally eat. 
I will become skinny and I will heal. Like it was, I, that was another huge part of my, like I'm eating intuitively, except I'm also trying to like heal the root cause of all of my like energetic health and emotional issues. (laughs) Everything. Yeah. (laughs) And so it like, that also was something that was like infused throughout those years on the French diet, like overlapped that. And I was like, I no, I don't diet. I'm like healing, like the core, like issues of my life which ironically is also what the fuck a diet is, but just in a completely different way of like calling that stuff out too, being like, that is also a diet. That is also magical. Like that's all, it's all this like one day you're going to get there and you're going to be perfect and you're going to be healed. And, and that's just like a miserable way to live that backfires. It's this like constant search and pressure to be better, right? Mm -hmm. And like, or be different. And I mean, I relate so, I listen to your book as a client and also a professional because I've been in that space too, even Mm -hmm. as recently as like two years ago. And I was like, oh fuck, like this was me, right? right? And so I was listening to it from like a healing perspective for me, but also to be able to speak it to my clients and recommend it as well. But it's like what you say, just like light bulbs, me that it's like we're all searching for something and the diets are just there in front of us right there's just options for them I know crazy and I totally louder (laughs) like it just I totally understand why people I mean we're all searching right we're all searching Mm -hmm. to like feel better and feel confident and and feel like we have like a purpose and feel like you know feel safe you know like that's all like at the root of so much, like, I just want to feel safe. I want to feel like I'm, I can feel responsible and that I'm being taken care of or that I'm taking care of myself. So it's either like major distracting or it's like overcompensating with like, I'm figuring my shit out, which in another way is, is, is a distraction too. But I really, I think about this a lot because, you know, the fuck it diet is meant to offer the opposite or at least like a space to be aware of all of that stuff Mm -hmm. and to be really honest with yourself and to figure out all the stuff that you're doing to kind of like distract yourself essentially. But it's so common. And I even like, you know, struggled with this a little bit myself, like during my years of the, of the fuck it diet of like either treating the fuck it diet as another thing Mm -hmm. that's like that, like this is going to heal everything. (laughs) Or like also being like, okay, well, like what else can I like do? Like if I can't heal myself through diets, like what can I do that's going to like take care of all this stuff? And I think that it's like a process because I think it's human nature to like, Mm. to, to try and, you know, find the cure. Right. And I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. And I also don't think that you know, there are some things that really help and there also are some things that help certain parts of your life. And it's not like bad to, to be open to those things, but just like being more aware of like how the human brain tries to like, you know, use those things kind of like with like the dogma and the cult like mentality and the magical thinking of like this one thing is going to cure me. I think just being aware of that is really helpful and really important. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge for sure. So how, 
and I feel like we could talk for like hours. Right? I know the time I is going way too fast. I can't believe it's one twenty. That's I know, nuts. I know, but I'm like so, fascinated. Yeah, so I know. There's so many things I want to ask, but for those who haven't, let's go for those who haven't read the Fuck It Diet, who haven't heard of the Fuck It Diet. I don't know any of those people. I know, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Where do we? Yeah, but, but for those who haven't, like, what would like what would be three main points that you would tell them about the book, or mm-hmm. or things that you want them to know, like what this book is about and what it can do for them. And who's it for? Yeah, this I I say that the book is for chronic dieters because I think that is the main kind of audience, mm-hmm. and usually. It's well, so many of us are chronic dieters, even if we don't think we are like even on kind of like a low grade, you know, like when I was quote unquote intuitive eating, I would not have considered myself a chronic dieter, but I still was because I was kind of like overthinking it. Um, But I also think that that it can be illuminating for anybody who just lives in the society that we live in or has a loved one or a friend who is a chronic dieter or who struggles with dieting food or their weight or feels like they struggle with their weight. Yeah. Um, and I say struggles with their weight because that is what we perceive. It's like we, you know, we feel like weight is this huge problem in our lives. And really yeah. it's like what we have been told about weight and what we believe yeah. about weight and the way we treat ourselves and our weight. Um, but I would say the first big thing is that dieting wires us to be obsessed with food. So mm-hmm. most of us think that we are food addicts or overeaters or binge eaters and that the problem is eating and our obsession with food. But it's really fascinating to realize that dieting and even just like if you've been a dieter in the past, even just like overthinking food or feeling guilty about food can genuinely make you obsessed with food. Unlike mm-hmm. a like a like our brains actually are wired to do that and it's it's chemical and hormonal like it's actually like our hunger Mm. hormones um so that's the first thing um and under eating so so being in that kind of like yo-yo state under eating but a lot of people are like i don't under eat i'm a binge eater but not realizing that there we're always like so often bringing ourselves back to this like repenting Mm. and that that is the thing that can keep us in that cycle so that's the first thing the second thing is the way that we, the way that we relate to weight Mm -hmm. and what we've learned about health and weight, like this belief that I had that if I could just become thinner, that I would heal. And that is based on bunk science basically. And understanding that we all, we really do have body diversity and that not everybody is meant to be super thin. Not everybody is meant to be thin. And it's genuinely a very, very, very difficult, understandably difficult part of the process because we live in a society that is obsessed with weight, cruel about weight gain, obsessed with weight gain. Like this is not an easy part of the process, but still it's an important, it's a, it's an important piece of the puzzle to understand that our, the way we relate to weight is dysfunctional, toxic, and it's affecting it will always affect our relationship with food. So that's a huge part of the book. And the other part of the book is the emotional part of the book, which I think is the thing that is 
maybe the most different from other. Molly's like having a dream. I love Um, that. (laughs) Or maybe she hears someone outside. Um, (laughs) It's the mail coming into my house. Okay, you don't need to. It's okay. We're safe. We're safe. We're We're all safe. (laughs) I love it. Uh, speaking of safety emotions, right? Um, it was on right. point. <laughs> I think it, no, stop, stop. Everything's fine. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, the emotional part, and I, I think a lot of people also say, okay, well, actually, my problem is emotional eating, which you know, I think a lot of people feel that way. And it's not to say that we can't or don't use food to help soothe emotions. However, I think what's really fascinating is that when you are a dieter or when you are constantly under eating, food is a better drug. So Mm. it, it like, it literally is more chemically rewarding if you're in a state where you're kind of chronically putting yourself back on a diet or not really feeding yourself enough food is extremely rewarding because it's supposed to be. So if you can get out of the dieting cycle, if you can get to a place where your body feels fed, where your body trusts that there is food, it it will inherently not be the drug that it is when you're dieting. Yeah, so powerful. (laughs) And it's not like that alone. Like there are so many people that who have read the book or who have messaged me who have said, I thought that my problem was emotional eating. And when I stopped dieting, I, I literally don't, like, I, I can't even remember the last time that I felt like I was emotionally eating. So then the other part is it's not that people can't use food or can't be like habituated to use food, but first of all, dieting is only going to make that worse. And stepping out of that cycle is going to just inherently help that. But the, the other part is that we need ways to support ourselves to have coping mechanisms and to soothe our emotions that go beyond food. Like food is actually like a fine way to soothe, but to be aware of all of the emotions that we are too afraid to feel. And this is like a superhuman condition. One of the things that I think is fascinating is that is like being in your body and feeling is actually something that a lot of people with food issues do not want to do Mm-mm. and do not feel comfortable doing feeling emotions and also just like feeling what it feels like to like have a body and take up space like a lot of eating disorders i feel like go along with this like inability to feel and and it and it's a you know it's a coping mechanism and it's okay but understanding the um the kind of relationship between those two things i think is an important part of of the puzzle yeah that was one of my favorite parts of the book too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you, you talk about feeling things, especially as women, that it really hit home. Yeah. And I hit home a lot with the emotional eating part. I know personally I did that for like years. I was like, yeah, I'm a stress eater. I'm an emotional eater. And I was like, no, actually you're just like chronically underfed. Right. Restrict and, like, <laughs> and be good air quotes all day. And then like feel out of control and just called it emotional eating because right. what else? Right. Call? Because, and that's a super cultural thing too. We like tend to believe kind of like widespread that we're all just emotionally eating, not understanding that the dieting and the diet culture and the like 
pathologizing of eating is actually like perpetuating that. Yeah. It's like a search for approval in your meals, which is really a really tough concept. Um, And I think for a lot of people and myself included, like I relate to every page and that's why I tell people, I'm like, you just have, you don't like to read, listen, walk your dog and listen, (laughs) like just listen and like, let yourself feel it. Like it's so powerful. Yeah. It's just a message that people really need to hear. And I want one more question and then we'll let people know. Yeah, yeah. Because I know we've mentioned or you've mentioned intuitive eating a lot today. And I had listened Mm -hmm. to your podcast and you have a podcast, which we'll definitely have to tell people where to listen. But I listened to your podcast about how the fuck it diet and intuitive eating is different. And if you could just give like a little nugget of that, because I know you've said you've like air quotes intuitive eight for Mm -hmm. a while and Mm -hmm. like you're doing that and how it's different. And I know you no, have a whole is a, no, this is, this. So you can kind of point people this there. This is a big, this is a good question. It's a big question. It's something that I don't address in the book because I didn't have the words for it at the time. And I also, I part never two. went. Part what two did you coming say? Out? It's part uh, two. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I'm writing a book called two years of rest right now. And Ooh. so it's more like memoir like the dieting and the fuck a diet. And then, and then the rest, like I, t- I talk, it's like tongue in cheek that I went on two years of rest, but it was also like a real thing where I was like, yeah. whoa, I need to like reevaluate the way that I operate in the world. Yeah. Um, That's amazing. So yeah. So it's a little bit more like personal story of like what mm-hmm. it was actually like for me. However, the intuitive eating question is really, is really important because there, I think there's a lot of misinterpretation of intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. I do think the book intuitive eating, and I know that they're coming out with a fourth edition, which I Mm -hmm. think will address a lot of this, honestly, but a lot of the older editions, and I read it when I was 18, which was 14 years ago. So it was either the first or second edition at the time. Yeah. Though the health at every size piece, the, the obsession with weight, all of the ways that I related about weight and the way that I was able to interpret that intuitive eating was going to make me thin. Hmm. I think there's enough in the book that people can twist it really, really easily. And, and therefore, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like when I read it, I was like, this is important. This is like revol. It was revolutionary to me, but I just was able to twist it so easily. Mm -hmm. And I needed somebody explaining it the way I eventually explained it to myself and then explain it in the fuck it diet. And so it's, it's intuitive eating aligns completely. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a different way of explaining how to get to the same place that I think, you know, the authors of intuitive eating intend people to get to. I needed somebody using way stronger language, explaining like all the ways that you can misinterpret intuitive eating, um, talking about the emotional piece, talking about the mental beliefs piece. Um, I just needed explained the way that I explained it. And so it's totally intuitive eating aligned. And I kind of like, it's weird because I didn't go back to read the book ever since I read it the first time, because in my head, I like 
put it together with Janine Roth books that I read. I put it together with the French women don't get fat. <laughs> I like lumped it and I was like, well, that didn't work. Like yeah. I, you know, like it, that was too focused on food amounts, like how much I'm eating, which again, I really do think that that's how I interpreted it. And I think that I did twist it. Um, so I like, I never want to, um, to like diminish the work of intuitive eating. Cause it's, it's amazing. It's essential. It's helped so many people. Um, I, I really, I think that it was like an important stepping stone, but I still needed it explained in a different way. And that's really all that it is. It's just yeah. like a, it's a, it's a different way of explaining, getting to the same place. Yeah. I love it. Alternative yeah. route. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And for those who want more explanation on that, Caroline has a whole podcast episode on that specifically. So can always find you there too. Yes. I never want this to end. I, I feel like we always do something called the nutrition tipsy of the day. And I think that this entire podcast episode was a tipsy. Yeah. <laughs> it was a yeah. lot of really good information and it's things people need to hear. Yep. Um, I hope that my biggest hope for this episode is more people download and read this book and just can get the stages of just understanding themselves more and understanding that like, like how you say it, you know, you didn't fail your diet. Your diet was built to fail you. Yeah. And I think that's a really powerful way to help people understand that we are so much more than what we eat um, mm -hmm. and what we look like. It's just, oh, I love this so much. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. I think so good. My favorite, I think it was you, Caroline, if I hope I'm not making this up, my favorite quote, I think you posted on social media was you can't hate your way to happiness. Yes. Like, yeah. I use that all the time and I'm oh. pretty sure I give you credit. I hope I'm going to look everywhere that I've said it, but <laughs> it's, it's just so true. Cause I think people back to the weight point that people just think they're going to wake up, be perfect, be in this perfect body and just like randomly love themselves when they've hated the body the whole way there. So, yeah. um, that's, I cute. never, I never hated myself more than when I had a full blown six pack and it was my husband right? who reminded me of that recently. Wow, yeah. <laughs> that's right? powerful. You should make that a quote. Yeah, right? no, that's an, look, post that, yeah, post yeah. that. That's the name of the episode. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. But, oh my goodness, thank you so much for yeah. your wisdom and sharing your sexy um, audiobook voice with yeah. us. Oh my God, you're so welcome. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for giving me an excuse to have a glass of wine at 12.30 on a Monday. Isn't that um, the best part ever? Yeah. Cheers. Do you do, cheers. Do you do all your episodes on Mondays? Mondays, Mondays and, and Fridays. Fridays. So Fridays say, are really easy to get people to have a cocktail mid-afternoon, but Mondays, yeah, it can be a little rough. I was going to say, I feel like we, this should be like 3.30 on a Friday. Like, poor, like, <laughs> yeah. And it would be a bottle, not a drink. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> a lot more. Yeah. So for those who are listening, tell them like the best way that they can find, obviously where they can find the book and find you and more about The Fuck It Diet. Yes. Um, the book is, it's called The Fuck It Diet. My name's Carolyn Dooner. You can find it by searching <laughs> that. You can, you can order it at your local bookstore. You can get it wherever books are sold. Audible. You can also get it online. Mm -hmm. You can listen to it on Audible. You can listen to it on Apple Books. Sometimes I weirdly like buy things on Apple Books and I have things in a million different places. But you can also find me on Instagram at The Fuck It Diet. <laughs> and my website is called 
thefuckitdiet.com. You can find links to the book and to like foreign translations of the book and the blog and the podcast. And you can find basically everything from thefuckitdiet.com. So that is a great place to start. And yeah. I'm so excited. Like, Amazing. thank you so much. This is so fun to be talking to you guys and having a glass of wine. The best. I and thank you for being here. Oh, this was the best part of my day. Yeah. <laughs> my week. Yes, I know. It was a great start to the week. And thank you for everything that you do, Caroline. We are so appreciative. Oh, you guys, thank you. Guys, thank you so much for listening and being here with us. I am virtually cheersing all of you. We absolutely loved sipping on a cocktail with you and sharing as many nutrition tipsies as possible during this episode. We know there are a ton of pods out there, and we are so appreciative of your time that you spent listening to us today. Please be sure to check out the show notes for episode details and all of our guest information. We promise to keep bringing you the best and the most knowledgeable and fun guests we possibly can. Please be sure to subscribe, like, share, and post if you enjoyed our content today. And visit us on Instagram and Facebook at Drunk Dietitians to find out what is up next for us on the pod. We absolutely love you. We appreciate you and can't wait to spend more time cheersing with you soon.